and you need to talk to Pastor Doug. And so, um, Pastor <laughs> Doug. All right, thank you. Thanks, for I got the microphone. <laughs> Thank you so much. We, uh, we, we leave on Monday. We're going to be headed out back to India. And so thank you for your prayers. And, uh, you know, one, one thing that I'm really looking forward to when we go back to India is the fact that we, we can walk into those chal systems that we call slums and people call our names. They remember us and they, they're looking forward to seeing us again and we can walk into their homes and we get invited into every home. Right. And we have chai tea with them and and uh but one of my favorite memories is is that some of the homes that we would go into they would wash our feet wasn't that so wonderful beth that we y'all have never washed our feet here right but that's okay right because see in india in india you wear the the chapels you you, you don't wear socks right and so usually the feet get dirty and and so it's like having your your feet washed by the people and having the, the, every home open, right? The hospitality of the people of India. And, uh, and to, we, we need to recall them to the church because during COVID lockdowns, they've not been allowed to go to church for over one year. And so we're gonna show up at their door and remind them some of them have stopped coming to church and they need to get that courage to go back to church, right? And uh, make, make sure they know that they belong and so, and besides that, we have a lot of Bible college students. We have an LFBI in India. And all of the LFBI students in India, they sleep in the church. That's another cool thing, is when you get to go teach the Bible in India, all the students will sleep in the church. So you ought to try that, some of you LFBI students, right? <laughs> like, just surprise Pastor Sam one Saturday morning, right? And just hang out here in the boiler room all night on Friday night and just wake up and you're ready for LFBI on Saturday morning, you know. So um, I, have a, I have a scripture that I'm trying to live, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, and I'm gonna show you some pictures that will illustrate the missions call. I wanna, I wanna invite you today to a missionary call, and at the end of my message, when I get done showing the pictures tonight, I wanna ask you to, we're gonna end in prayer, and I wanna ask some of you to, to pray and ask God where he wants you. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, it says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace that was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace that was with me, right? Have you ever entered into that yet not I life? It's not you, but it's Christ living in you, Galatians 2.20. And the people, I'm gonna tell you a story about missionaries today, show you some pictures and some quotes and some Bible verses that'll invite you into this calling that, uh, that you can step forward in your calling before God. And who knows, I mean, just like me, maybe you could meet your spouse along the way, you know? I mean, I met Bethany after I walked into India and she was there, you know? And so maybe you'll meet your spouse by surrendering to the call first. And so, um, the first, now, I, I've been here for a few months going to, to the different ministry fellowships. I've been presenting missionary books that you have to read, right? Mission books. And there's a couple I want to remind you of. And the first one is, let's see here. All right. Now, <clears throat> the first American missionary ever sent out, the, who was the first American missionary 
ever sent out of an American church to a foreign field. Many people say it was Adoniram Judson, right, who went to Burma. But it was actually not Adoniram Judson. It was this guy right here. It was uh, George Lyle. So George Lyle was a freed slave from North Carolina. And he was the first uh, black Baptist pastor in America. He pastored a Baptist church of freed slaves and some of slaves coming to the church. And so after he pastored churches in North Carolina and South Carolina, and he discipled a lot of the freed slaves back in the, now this is the 1790s, right? See, Adoniram Judson was sent out as the first white man to go out of America, but this was the black guy beat him by 20 years, right? So in the 1790s, he was sent out. He went to Jamaica and he reached all the slaves. Jamaica was full of slaves at the time and he won thousands of slaves to Christ in Jamaica and set them free and you gotta get this book to get the story. So these are people who inspire us. Now the next book that I'm recommending is the next slide and it's called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret I've mentioned before. You see Hudson Taylor went to China. Hudson Taylor was from England and Hudson Taylor, he was a doctor, right? And he had to trust God for his salary. You know, before Hudson Taylor went to China, he, he was struggling financially. He didn't have enough money even to live in England. And his boss, and he was working as a doctor, and his boss forgot, he kept forgetting to give him his salary. You remember this story, Brandon? How he, Hudson Taylor was hungry, he couldn't pay his bills, and he thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell my boss, you forgot to give me my salary. But he thought, no, I'm not gonna tell my boss, right? So Hudson Taylor said, God, you answer prayer. God, you tell my boss to give me my salary, right? And at that very day, that very day, suddenly the boss remembered, I owe Hudson Taylor his salary, right? So these are the lessons he had to learn while he was being trained to be a missionary in, to go to China. But see, after he got to China, he wanted to go inland because all the missionaries were on the coast on the safe areas. He wanted to go into the interior and no one wanted to go to the interior. Hudson Taylor wanted to dress like the Chinese. Hudson Taylor wanted to become Chinese to reach the Chinese. And the other people would, would not uh, excited about that. <clears throat> so he finally goes inland China. He starts churches. He, he recruits many other missionaries to go with him. After many years of God using him, he is frustrated because Hudson Taylor has 1,000 missionaries under him. Can you imagine that? Like, you know, we have less than 1,000 people in, in the church here, but imagine having 1,000 missionaries who are already consecrated to the call. But you know what the problem that Hudson Taylor said? The missionaries couldn't get along with each other. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like they're supposed to be spiritual, right? And they're, they're being irritated with one another, right? They're not displaying the fruit of the spirit. And Hudson Taylor said he was a number one uh, irritated all the time, right? Hudson Taylor is the, the leader of the movement was uh, displaying, having, having temper problems with anger, having relationship conflicts, right? So this is what he writes in this book. Next slide. Hudson Taylor says, oh, Mr. Judd, God made me a new man. God has made me a new man, exclaimed Hudson Taylor. Wonderful was the experience that had come into answer to prayer, yet so simple as almost a baffled description. Next slide. 
how then to have our faith increased, Hudson Taylor is asking. How to have faith increased? Only by thinking of all that Jesus is and all that he is for us, his life, his death, his work, his, he himself as revealed to us in the word, to be the subject of our constant thoughts. Not a striving to have faith, but a looking off to the faithful one. Seems all we need. A resting in the loved one entirely uh, for time and eternity. Taylor declared, I looked to Jesus and when I saw, oh, how joy flowed. Next slide. Now one of his friends wrote of his transformation that Hudson Taylor, being a missionary, needed a transformation. And the, the missionary said, he was a joyous man now, a bright, happy Christian. He had been toiling, burdened one before, with latterly not much rest of soul. It was resting in Jesus now and letting him do the work, which makes all the difference. When he spoke in meetings after that, a new power seemed to flow from him. And in practical things of life, a new peace possessed him. Troubles did not worry him as before. He cast off everything uh, onto God in a new way, and he gave more time to prayer. <clears throat> Next slide. It was the exchange life that he had come to him, the life that is no longer I, the, the yet not I I talked about. It was a blessed reality. Christ liveth in me. And how great the difference, instead of bondage, liberty, instead of failure, quiet victories within, instead of fear and weakness, a restful sense of sufficiency in another. So great was the deliverance that from that time onward, Mr. Taylor could never do enough to help make this precious secret plain to the hungry hearts wherever he might be. <clears throat> He'd say, perhaps I may make myself more clear if I go back a little, my mind has been greatly exercised for six or eight months past, feeling the need personally for our mission of more holiness, life, power in our souls, but personal need stood first and was the greatest. I felt the ingratitude, the danger, the sin of not living near to God. I prayed, agonized, fasted, strove, made resolutions, read the word more diligently, I sought for more time of meditation, all without avail. Every day, almost every hour, the consciousness of sin oppressed me. Next slide. I knew, he says, that if I could only abide in Christ, all would be well, but I could not. I, I would begin the day with prayer, determined not to take my eye off him for a moment, but the pressures of duties, sometimes very trying, and the constant interruptions, apt to be so wearing, caused me to forget him. Then one's nerves get so fretted in this climate that temptations to irritability and hard thoughts and sometimes unkind words are all the more difficult to control. Each day brought its register of sin and failure and lack of power. The will was indeed present with me, but how to perform, I found not. Then came the questions. Is there no rescue? Must it be thus to the end, constant conflict and too often defeat? How could I preach with sincerity that those who received Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God when it wasn't true in my experience? Instead of growing stronger, I seemed to be getting weaker and to have less power against sin and no longer for faith and even hope were getting low. I hated myself, I hated my sin, 
yet gained no strength against it. I felt I was a child of God. His spirit in my heart would cry in spite of it all, Abba, Father, but to rise to my privileges as a child, I was utterly powerless. I strove for faith, and it would not come. I tried to exercise it, but in vain. Seeing more and more the wondrous supply of grace laid up in Jesus, the fullness of our precious Savior, my guilt and helplessness seemed to increase. Sins committed appeared but as trifles compared with the sin of unbelief, which was their cause in me, which could not or would not take God at his word, but rather made him a liar. Unbelief, I felt, was the damning sin of the world, yet I indulged in it. I prayed for faith, and it came not. What was I to do? Next slide. When in my agony of soul was at its height, a sentence, just one sentence from a letter that he got from dear Mr. McCarthy was used to remove the scales from my eyes and the Spirit of God revealed to me the truth of our oneness with Jesus as I had never known it before. McCarthy, who had been much exercised in the same sense of failure, but saw the light before I did, wrote, but how to get faith strengthened? Not by striving after faith, but by resting on the faithful one. Next slide. As I read it, I saw it all. I believe, if we believe not, he abides faithful. I looked to Jesus and saw, and oh, I, when I saw, the joy flowed. And, and there, there's the rest. I thought, I have striven in vain to rest in him. I'll strive no more, for has not he promised to abide with me, never to leave me, never to fail me? And, and dear, he never will. Nor was this all that he showed me nor one half. As I thought of the vine and the branches, what light that blessed spirit poured directly into my soul, how great it seemed my mistake. In wishing to get the sap, the fullness out of him, I saw not only that Jesus will never leave me, but that I am a member of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. The vine is not the root merely, but all. Root, stem, branches, twigs, leaves, flowers, fruit. Jesus is not that alone. He, he's the soil and the sunshine and the air and the showers and 10,000 times more than we have ever dreamed, wished for, or needed. Oh, the joy of seeing this truth. I do pray that the eyes of your understanding too may be enlightened, that you may know and enjoy the riches freely given to us in Christ. Isn't it a wonderful thing to really be one with the risen and exalted Savior, to be a member of Christ? Think what it involves. Can Christ be rich and I poor? Can your right hand be rich and your left poor? Or your head be well fed while your body starves? And that's the end of the sentence right there. So that's Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret, right? But see, you have to go through brokenness to really get it. If you've never struggled with your personal failure, you don't understand what I talked about tonight. You know, you can try to be a disciple and you can fail and you can realize that look to Jesus, right? The author and finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And now he's set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And in Ephesians 2, 6, it says, and we are risen and seated with him in heaven. You are seated with Christ right now, even though you're walking on the earth. Next slide. 
And so as I continued to read stories about missionaries, thank you, sir, as I read the stories about missionaries, Hudson Taylor is also listed in this book called The Pilgrim Church. So the Pilgrim Church lists every single movement of the church from Pentecost until today, and it lists for you who are the true church believers through history, the Bible believers, the people who follow Jesus, the people who are not considered Roman Catholic, not considered Protestant, they're just Bible believers. That's why they're a pilgrim church, because a pilgrim church doesn't have a headquarters on the earth like Rome. We, our headquarters are up in heaven. That's where our high priest is, right? And so the pilgrim church lists people like this. Next slide. Talking about the Waldensians and John Wycliffe and the Lollards, John Huss and the Hussites and the Bohemian Brethren and the Anabaptists and the Baptists, the Moravians and the Methodists. These are, these are our heritage, people that we've come from. These are people who paid the price, who've been killed for the name of Christ, standing as missionaries for 2,000 years. Next slide. And the, the one I want to finish with, and that we're going to get into the history of the Waldensians, is another book you can get by Wiley. But I'm going to finish with this. Next slide. Is the story of the Moravian Church. Now, how many of you, as I finish today, have heard about the Moravian Church? Right? Now, the Moravian Church is tied in directly to Hudson Taylor, and I'll show you how. Now, the Moravian Church was a group in the Czech Republic and Moravia near Germany of people who suddenly found a place of refuge being persecuted as Christians all over Europe. And Count Zinzendorf had a property and all the LFBI students came to the property, you know, and they slept in the church. And so the, the Moravian Church was full of disciples who were from different languages, different backgrounds. And when they first started the Moravian Church, there was jealousy and envy because people thought that they were better than the other ones, right? Like, like my, my people are better than your people, you know, my language is better than your language. And so there was no unity in the church. And so they met for prayer that you read in this book called By Patience and the Word by Hutton. When they met for prayer and they started a prayer meeting asking God to give them unity, brokenness before his call, a call for missions. And in 1722, after brokenness and unity, they started a 24-hour prayer meeting in shifts. The prayer meeting lasted for 100 years. Have you heard the story? They, they never stopped praying. For 24 hours a day, they would pray, and they would keep praying every day. It lasted for 100 years. And it was not rock and roll prayer, like in Grandview, you know? It was real prayer right? It was, it was word of God prayer, right? <laughs> it was Bible prayer, <laughs> 24-hour prayer. All right, and so, but see, this prayer meeting lasted for 100 years. And as they would have their prayer meeting, missionaries would come and speak like myself and try to uh, stir the people up for missions. A freed slave came and showed them the need to reach the slaves in the West Indies in the Caribbean. And Leonard Dober volunteered to be a slave in the West Indies uh, to reach the African slaves in the 1720s. So imagine that. Have you heard this story? The man stepped forward. He was an LFBI graduate, right? The Moravian LFBI. And he said, when I graduate LFBI, where is the discipleship lesson to sign me up for missions, right? 
Is there a discipleship lesson that teaches you to be a slave to reach the slaves? I want to learn that lesson and graduate and become a slave. I mean, what love? Only Jesus could put that kind of a love in someone's heart, right? I mean, Muhammad and Buddha and Krishna could never put love in people's heart for that. To be a slave to reach the slaves, this is proof that Jesus is the only way. Because only Jesus could change a person so much that they'd be willing to go and become a slave to reach the slaves for the love of Jesus Christ. And the Moravian church's motto was, may the Lamb of God receive the reward for his sufferings. Now I want you to think about that for a second. Because when we're new Christians, when we're new disciples, when we meet for prayer, it's very normal for us to think about our sufferings. And we say, pastor, pray for me, I'm sick. Pastor, pray for me, I need a job. Pastor, pray for me, I have these problems, right? But as you grow in maturity as a disciple, you realize that yes, God will provide for your problems, but there's something more important, right? And that is, may the Lamb of God receive the reward for his sufferings. In other words, forget about your suffering, amen, right? Like whatever suffering you have, pray about it, but it should not be the first thing on your mind. When you wake up in the morning, don't think about your problems. Think about, wait a second, Jesus died the most loving and pure act in all of history when Jesus died on the cross and as he poured out his soul, as he suffered wrongfully as, as an innocent lamb of God. He died having a dream, just like Martin Luther King had a dream, Jesus had a, a, a bigger dream, right? Jesus' dream was that people in India and China and Vietnam and Kenya and the native peoples of America would come to the kingdom of God and be forgiven and be saved and receive that salvation that he is dying for, right? But the problem is those people cannot come to the kingdom of God unless they hear about it. And so that Jesus dying saying, hey, I saved you. Now, what about those who've never heard, right? Jesus is saying to you tonight, I saved you, but there are people today in the world who've never even heard yet, right? And that's Jesus' dream. So may the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. It's, so there's no reward for your suffering. Well, sure, there's a reward for suffering, but there's a reward for his suffering that we should look for. And that is people coming to Christ. And that's why the rapture is not gonna happen for a while, right? The, Jesus is not coming back until there's more people to reach, right? Jesus is waiting. There's few more lost people who need to get saved. And you're the ones that's going to reach them. That's the reward of Jesus. Next slide. And so the Moravian church, get this, 40%, four out of 10 members of the Moravian church were sent out as church planning missionaries. They were sent to Alaska, Greenland, Tibet, China, Jerusalem, leper colony, Especially they went to Tanzania, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, to the Native American colonies. And they led John Wesley to Christ. John Wesley got saved because of these guys. So check this out. I had a conversation down during dinner tonight with Andrew Best, right? And Andrew Best has the passion to help teach our young children of this church. And Andrew Best and I had an agreement downstairs earlier today. We talked about the children in this church that are being raised up in this church, right? And we, Andrew Best and I agreed that God is gonna call 40% of those children to be missionaries sent out of this church. Amen? What do you think, Brandon, huh? 
40% of the kids, like you all are teaching the kids, you have a part of training this next generation to forget about their career ambitions and go for foreign missions, right? Did you hear what I said? Forget about career ambitions and go for foreign missions. And that's what the kids are gonna do in this church because you're training them, right? And that's what you're all gonna do. 40% of you are gonna be sent out. I don't know where God's gonna send you, but that's what this is about. Like what happened with the Moravian church is happening again right here, right? Uh, next slide. The Moravian church sent out lay leaders with coffins for luggage bags. Imagine that, right? Now, when they got sent out, they knew they were, they were not able to come back. There were no airplanes, you guys, right? So they knew that when they took their luggage, it had to be in a coffin because they were going to die there, right? And I know pa Pastor Ganesh has always told me that we're going to die in India one day, right? Like Pastor Ganesh wants us to die in India. That's why we're going back to India, you know? <laughs> so... Uh, but you know that people are worth dying for because Jesus died for them first. And so uh, the Moravians said, not in their heart and hand they took, save love of God and holy book. And then they also said, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, love. Next slide. So I'm gonna finish with this. Dr. Augustus Strong said, what are churches for but to make missionaries? What is education for but to train them? What is commerce for but to carry them? What is money for but to send them? What is life itself for but to fulfill the purpose of missions, the enthroning of Jesus Christ in the hearts of men? So that's, a, that's the call tonight that I'm calling you to. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna have the praise team come up and do a closing song, and we wanna close in prayer. We're, we're asking that you would pray that all the details as, as Beth and I get on the airplane to fly back to Mumbai, India, as we try to go back to the people that we love there, pray that all the details work out. We have to take a lot of tests to get on the plane. And, and so pray for our, our churches in India and pray that there'll be a team from this church. Come on, pray, praise team, come up and get ready for the closing song. So there'll be a lot of... Uh, a lot of people in this church that we're hoping will come on a missions trip back to India to work with uh, Christodas and, and Daniel and Bethany's church back there in India. And then right next to where Christodas and Daniel and Bethany's church is, we want to bring you into Orissa and then have you stop in Mumbai and see the mission field of India. And so if there's anyone here that feels God has put India on your heart, come and talk to us and we'll just encourage you that God... Just be patient. God will open up the door, right? There. Oh, there's the call right there. <laughs> it's, it's an emergency. Huh? There's, there's an urgency that God says, you know, he wants people to go on the mission field. So, but he said, oh, he said, get prepared first. Be, be a call to missions is a call to preparation. Amen? So, as we close in a song tonight, I want to ask you to pray. It, um, may, maybe you want to break up into your small groups that we prayed in earlier. If, if you have friends tonight you want to pray with and say, you know, I, I don't know if I want to go forward, but just say to your friend, pray with me. I'm, I think I may be called to foreign missions. Maybe God wants me to go to Kenya and help Jeanette, right? 
I think there's going to be a living faith Kenya real soon. Who wants to join Kenya? Who wants to join Vietnam? Who wants to come to India? Who wants to go to wherever, Timbuktu, right? So if that's you tonight, if you feel like I want to surrender to God, wherever you want me to go, pray with your friend or come back forward here and meet with Pastor Brandon, Bethany, myself, Pastor Chris. As the song is singing, we'll just have prayer and we'll close this out tonight. Thank you.